Annyeonghaseyo. Welcome to Afternoon of Delight. We're Leah, Megan, and Amy, three American romance novelists discussing all things K-romance from a writer's lens. We fangirl over our favorite actors and actresses, talk up our trope addictions, and nerd out on K-drama deep dives. We'll throw in a few K-pop and K-skincare recs for good measure because why not ride the Hallyu wave all the way to shore? So grab some deck bucky and listen to your new favorite unis. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. So, again, we're all three together, which is very exciting. Yay! Today I'm podcasting from my parents' bedroom. Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) Which feels even weirder. And Leah, can you tell everybody the name of the internet provider that you're using? (laughs) Well, you know what? I'm not going to knock it because I am great. No, no, no. I think it's a great name. That's all right. So yes, internet connectivity where my parents are based in rural Washtenaw County in Michigan has been disappointing. So in Washtenaw County, we also have the University of Michigan. I just want to throw that out there. So we're not far from like where technology exists. However, you cross some sort of like invisible railroad track and there's just nothing anywhere. And I can't even get reliable internet at the town library. So because we've had all my family here and everyone's been complaining and horrified, my dad finally bit the bullet and got the best internet available to folks in this neck of the woods. And the provider is called RuralNet. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to RuralNet. And I'm not quite sure how they work because I don't fully understand the internet and I get made fun of for calling it the tubes like, uh, you know, boomer. But there is like a little dish thing that's strapped to a rain gutter, like downspout on the front of the house, pointing across the lake to a tower some other person put up in their yard. And that's what's beaming me in right now. I don't really fully get it. I'm ready for like, let's get these like Elon Musk internet satellites going. (laughs) I feel like this is like my new advocacy issue is the plight of of rural America America to access any sort of functional technology. So I do get internet in these periodic times. And when I do, I like to, you know, chat with my podcast hosts. And we were laughing recently on our Slack account about the fact that two of us prefer fur babies. To actual babies. (laughs) To actual babies, which I don't genetically understand. Human babies. So I prefer human babies. I love human babies. And I loved my own human babies, but like, <laughs> go ahead, weirdos. <laughs> but like, if you're gonna like post cute pictures on the internet, post cute pictures of cats and puppies. Like, your baby's cute, but like, I want to hold your puppy or your kitten. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just not like a baby person. I I mean, I obviously I loved my own babies, but even I will say like the baby stage was not my favorite in any way. I didn't love the baby stage. Like, I don't hold other people's babies. Same. Same, Megan. My nieces and nephews are about it. And even then, like, I like them better now that they're older. So I'm just not a baby person. And so when we were talking about this, it kind of prompted me to talk about... So my husband's name is Neil. I've talked about him on the podcast before. He was kind of an interesting baby. (laughs) Does he know that you're telling... You're talking about this on the pod? He wouldn't care. I told him that I was like talking to because I I had to call his mom to get like I forgot about some of the details of his like birth. I just knew some of them. So okay, so here's the deal. My husband was born at 12 and a half pounds. And he was born. I don't like to say the word naturally, but I feel like I shouldn't talk about like my mother in law's birth. He was born not with a C section. I just vaginally, (laughs) vaginally. Okay. I feel bad talking about my mother in law. (laughs) 
<laughs> he was born vaginally. But that's the technical term. It's either a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth. You're right. You're right. So he was born vaginally at 12 and a half pounds. He was a massive, massive child. And I thought he was born with teeth. And I will say I was wrong, but he got his teeth at one month old. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. Like, first of all, both of my kids were over nine pounds. And my daughter was nine pounds, seven ounces. And she was an emergency C-section. And my son was a scheduled C-section a week early and he was just over nine pounds. So had he gone, you know, full term, he would have been like 10 pounds and they had to be born C-sections because I, right. I don't, how do you do the 12 pounds? So I guess my question is, did they like severely miscalculate her due date? <laughs> I don't really know. They've always said like, the Erickson babies are big babies. So, and I'm 4'11. So, I'm like a small person. And so, when I got pregnant, you know, his whole family was like, this baby's going to ruin you, which is just a horrible oh thing to say God. to like a pregnant woman. And because there was like this whole thing that Erickson babies are big, which my babies were perfectly small. I had, I had both my babies vaginally and they were six and seven pounds, respectively. So, I didn't have a massive Erickson baby, but Neil was huge and he also had like his head was swelled so they had to shave this strip of hair on his forehead and stick needles in his forehead i'm going to send you a picture of giant newborn neil on air so she even said she said that people would be like oh your baby is really cute and she's like don't lie to me like i know my baby is not <laughs> cute because he so and i i need to say i'm so excited so i texted this to you and i need you to know too my mother-in-law is not a small woman so if you see this, I mean, she's like 5'11". She's like, and this is a giant baby. This is a newborn baby in her arms. And he is like. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Do you see? That is a newborn baby. And look at his cone head. <laughs> oh, my God. He looks like he's like three yeah. months yeah. old at least. That's one of those things like when they show babies on television shows and even my kids at this point, they're like, that is not a newborn. That's like a four month old right there, you know, because they can't. Obviously, right. you can't put a newborn in a in a movie right. or a TV show. But like if I would have seen yeah. Neil, I would have been like, that is not a newborn. Right. Look how huge he is. And the one where he's yawning, this has to this is going to go on Instagram <laughs> during the day we put this yeah, out. Yeah. Right. I mean, we have to like otherwise it's like, yeah, we have to. Yeah. I'm sorry, Neil. And then I'm sending you. This is when he was three to four months old and he finally got cute. And that's like, does he have like a full mouth of teeth? I mean, she's like <laughs> pulling down his lip and he's got like bottom teeth. Oh, he is a cutie. Yeah, finally. That head shrunk. Wait, how old is he here? So in here, he's like three months, three months. Oh my God. He did come out like Benjamin uh, Button, didn't he? Oh my God, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. And, and the thing is, so because part of this prompted to, we were kind of talking about like, puberty because i had said that neil was like oh i don't i tried to talk to him about puberty because i'm like i wanted to kind of know what our son is going to like experience and neil's just like i don't remember it's because it happened when he was a toddler <laughs> yeah apparently i was like you didn't what you didn't experience puberty you like the only one and he's like i was like didn't your voice crack he's like nope and i was like that no it and then i called his mom which the ericsons are a little can be known to exaggerate but i called his mom and asked him i was like or asked her i was like well he says his voice didn't crack and she's like it didn't one day he woke up with a deep voice. I'm like, what? <laughs> One day my boy went to bed and woke up a man. <laughs> That's what she said. She goes, One day he just woke up with a deep voice and it never cracked. And I was like, How is that possible? How is that possible? So, this is what I deal with. I mean, it's like, yeah. So, 
And my daughter was born with an extra tooth in her head <laughs> that had to be pulled. It was that like shark tooth. It was like a pointed jagged fang like right in front. But anyway. Thanks, Erickson's. Thanks, Erickson jeans. That was our topic of discussion in the Slack channel. And like I said, they were both like, we need to see. But yeah, Neil's a giant child. And it was even like in the newspaper. There was like an article about the giant child. My mother-in-law was like in the bank and the tellers were like oh talking God. about this giant child <laughs> oh born at the gosh. hospital. So basically what you're saying is if you had met, you know, your mother-in-law, like you were an adult and she was an adult and just had this baby and she was like, here, do you want to hold my giant baby? You would say, no, give me a cat instead. Yeah. I would be like, absolutely not. First of all, look (laughs) at that thing. I don't want to hold him. He would probably break my back to hold him. And no. So at least he got cute later, but he was not. It was just so funny that she was like, I knew people were lying to me if they told me I had a cute baby. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Well, pivoting to more fun and games today, what we are looking to do is, you know, we're kind of like right in the middle of summer, feeling easy breezy. So we just decided to do kind of like a podcast show of fun and games. And so one of my favorite, I guess, like mind stumpers is to do the game Merry Murder Mate, you know, making people pick in like different fandom spaces or with like different scenarios, a character that you would like to marry, a character you'd like to murder and a character you'd like to mate. And I thought bringing it to the K-drama hero sphere would be really fun. So yeah, I think we're going to do that today. And then we've got a couple of other like, would you rather type stuff to do. We also put this to listeners because, you know, we like to involve you all in our hijinks. And so we got a lot of responses and I texted both of you some of the ones that came off Instagram. So maybe before we get into ours, we could share a few that were coming through on Instagram. Okay, so Mona sing a lot. So she wants to marry Nam Do San from Startup. She wants to mate Gang Yu from Goblin, which I think we will be mentioning that later. Yep. <laughs> and she wants to kill Joy Myung Hee from Vincenzo. Emily Giggles28 wants to marry Lee Gon from The King Eternal Monarch. Wants to mate Leon from Tale of the Nine Tail and murder Becky Sung from Flower of Evil. I can't deny the Tale of the Nine Tail <laughs> sex neck vein. It yep. lives in my mind. Yep. And then we have Sarah CJ. She wrote kind of a longer answer, but she said, Mary, obviously I'm not worthy. And obviously he belongs to Jung Gyul, but Anjuan from Hospital Playlist. And she'd also have Rosa as a mother-in-law because she rocks and all of his best friends and she could karaoke with them. So, Megan, this might leave you a little high and dry as you haven't experienced the magic of hospital playlists yet. But Sarah, I agree. 10 out of 10. Agree. Mate, my biggest crush to date is still healer, especially parkour spyglasses healer. None of us disagree. Love it. Love Love it. it. And then kill. This is an interesting one for me because I've only ever heard Rex about this drama. So strong woman Do Bong Soon is one of the most problematic K-dramas I've watched which is a shame because the central couple is awesome. But her work colleague is a cross-dressing manager who is awful. He needs the chop. Kim Kwong Bok. He needs the chop. (laughs) Yeah. I am curious to hear like, yeah, some negative about that drama because it's generally beloved. So that gives me a little pause because that doesn't sound amazing. Yeah. We had some other ones that we shared on our Instagram stories. And so thank you all for playing along. And now it's our turn. Yay. So we are going to talk about our choices and why and a little bit about the drama. So we're trying not to talk about any major spoilers, just so you know. We're going to try very hard, but we'll give a heads up about the drama, obviously. So first up is Mary. 
And I would say this was the hardest one for me personally to answer. Mate and murder heroes, like I knew immediately who I was going to pick. But Mary, you know, that's like a lifetime commitment. (laughs) So basically for me, it boiled down to two heroes. Kim Min Kyu from I Am Not a Robot and Healer or Jung Hyu from, well, Healer. Both those dramas happen to be two of my all-time favorites. So it's really not a surprise that those heroes were kind of my top picks. But ultimately, I had to go with my man healer, Jung Hoo, Bong Soo. He has many names. I mean, I've seen a lot of dramas at this point, but he is still the hero who probably has most captured my heart. And I really think would be a wonderful, devoted lifetime partner. And, you know, would life ever be boring while we're parkouring from rooftop to rooftop? So a little bit about Healer, again, without too many spoilers. So Healer is played by Ji Chang Wook, and he's an early 20-something errand boy with lots of physical skills. He can fight, he can parkour, he can do an uneven bar routine in the middle of a gang fight. (laughs) I love it so much. And he is even more emotional boo-boo. So I'm always down for like this loner isolationist hero who has major emotional boo-boos like that is absolutely my kryptonite my favorite thing and when he falls for his woman young shin he falls hard he'll do literally anything for her he's so incredibly sweet and he orchestrated just about the best movie date or actually k-drama date i've ever seen i'm not going to get into details about it you have to watch the movie date all three of us like i think leah said she like actually swooned like it was i had like physical tingles watching that. So while he's not a millionaire like Kim Min Kyu, who could have, you know, taken care of me for life, what sold me on Jung Hoo <laughs> and lives in my mind all the time is his post-sex glow up. I will never be over clingy puppy divergenized healer in his barren warehouse bachelor pad <laughs> fawning over young Shin after the great deflowering in his massive white sheeted bed i mean he would be devoted for life like i fully believe that like monogamous as hell devoted loyal i can just tell he's like a one woman kind of guy we could work together as journalists which that was you know my first job actually i went to school for journalism so i would totally be down to do that again if he's beside me taking footage and i think he would be a great father because while he didn't have his own father that's not really a spoiler you learn that pretty quick he does know what it's like to be abandoned so i can see him going above and beyond to not be a terrible father (laughs) go above and beyond for his wife and kids so yeah basically wife me up healer (laughs) i mean i agree with all of that yeah absolutely that was awesome now i want to watch healer i know Seriously, know, like too. that's that's definitely one that will be a rewatch for me at right. some point. Writing this made me miss it so much. So moving on to my Mary, and this one was not difficult for me to choose. And my Mary is Lee Gon from The King Eternal Monarch, played by Lee Min Ho. So look, we all knew going into this that Lee Min Ho was going to show up for me, though I think I might surprise you later in the pod when we get to murder, but we'll see. Let me start by saying that The King Eternal Monarch is not my favorite drama, but it is my favorite Lee Min Ho role to date. And I've seen quite a few of his dramas. It's the first Lee Min Ho drama that I ever saw. And it was at a time when he'd just been cast in Pachinko. And there was a ton of buzz about him. And I looked at photos and kind of shrugged. I was like, yeah, he's a good looking enough guy. But nothing really grabbed my attention. 
And then I saw him act. I remember finishing the first couple of episodes of King and texting Leah, who had not yet begun watching, that I was forever changed after seeing this man perform and that I couldn't explain it. But Leah just had to see him on screen so that she could either confirm or deny my deep, deep feelings and newfound love. And thankfully, and Leah, I think you can attest to this, that when you saw it too, that while you may not have gone down the rabbit hole of love for Lee Min Ho like I did, that you at least <laughs> understood where I was coming from, right? I can validate. And Megan, I think it's safe to say that when you finally watched, like you kind of understood me a little bit better too. You have to watch him act. It's a totally different thing. Like it's totally different. So I am going to be a little bit spoilery, but hopefully not too much because everything I'm going to talk about we kind of already talked about in our endings podcast. So I will give a heads up when I'm going to spoil stuff. But first, a little quick snippet about King. And this is nothing to spoil. This is just kind of like the blurb about the drama. So this drama is part romance, part thriller, and part time travel mindfuck as our hero and heroine fall in love across parallel universes where Lee Min Ho is Lee Gon, the king of Korea with a C, and Kim go is Tae-ol, a homicide detective in our world's South Korea. On top of all that, Lee Gon has a murderous uncle who is trying to use the throne by supplanting doppelgangers from one universe to another. If your brain is exploding, don't worry, minded too. But why did I choose this Lee Min Ho character to marry? Folks, here's where I'm going to get a little bit spoilery. So if you have not watched King and or have not listened to our endings podcast where I explain why and how I would rewrite the ending to this drama, skip ahead to Leah's Mary. Otherwise, come with me on a journey that I lovingly call hashtag never over it. <laughs> <laughs> So whether or not you love this drama, I think we can all agree that episode 11 has one of the best scenes in K-drama land ever when Lee Gon, our badass king, rides through the streets of Busan atop his trusty Steve Maximus, slashing at baddies with his sword as he rushes to save Taeol. He gives the directive to his security detail to protect Taeol at all costs, as she will be the future queen of Korea with a C. But folks, that is not the ending we got, even though my bae promised it to us in that epic episode 11. So my reasoning for choosing to marry Lee Gon is simple. I will be his queen of Korea. (laughs) I can write my books and record my podcast from the palace in Busan, and my kids have always wanted to travel abroad, so it's pretty much a win for everybody. I get the ending to the drama that I want, and I get my bae. So I am your new queen of Korea with a C. Perfect. I love it. And you really, you're the queen of our hearts. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So for me, I went with someone that neither of you has watched yet, and that is Kim Hee Sung, played by Byung Yo Han, and this is from the drama Mr. Sunshine. And so I, even though this was like kind of my idea to do a podcast like this, I spent more time pondering this Mary mate murder question than is likely healthy or advisable for anyone. <laughs> like every night I would lay in bed for weeks thinking about this. But try as I might, I really needed to unpack my feelings over Mr. Sunshine and the trifecta of heroes. And people might want to quibble that Mr. Sunshine doesn't have a trifecta of heroes. And if that's your stance, I'm okay with you being wrong. There are no second male leads in this drama. There are three male leads. (laughs) And with that, I am going to proceed. And truly, I mean, like, yes, no, I'm not even getting into it. (laughs) It's just what it is. So I'm going to come out and say that Mr. Sunshine, again, this is like a question that literally keeps me up at night is like what my favorite drama is at the moment. And I'm going to say Mr. Sunshine is probably my top all time drama. And I say that with apologies to Kim Shin and Goblin because it finally got unseated. 
It's a 23-episode Netflix original historical opus that gives us the Korean perspective of the tumultuous years leading up to the Russo-Japanese War, the fall of the Joseon dynasty, and Japanese colonization, which lasted until the end of World War II. That might sound a little bit historically dull. It's not. It's like visually a feast and really highly emotional. And the two female leads in this drama are strong out of the gate with skills, smarts, and badassery throughout. But the men have a lot more growing to do. But much like Dongman and Fight for My Way, each of these men appreciate and admire the kick-ass feminist heroines for being kick-ass, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So on to my future husband with that setup. I'm going to attempt to do all my choices without big spoilers because regardless of the folks at home listening, you two haven't seen the drama. I'm going to disclose some characteristics though, obviously, but I'm going to leave large plot points out of it. So my future husband, Kim Hee Sung, is a frivolous party boy who spent 10 years in Tokyo as a student. And he's really happy to stay, you know, across the pond away from his overbearing rich ass family headed up by his overbearing absolute jerk face of a father. And while he song might appear annoyingly insufferable at first glance what you need to kind of appreciate i think is that this drama is all about masks and all the characters have the faces that they need to show the world to survive and then there's their inner authentic true mask so throughout the drama he song likes to tell members of the cast that he likes quote beautiful and useless things And those are things like flowers and poetry. And he presents himself as a bit of a fop. And he loves to pester the other two male leads. And while he isn't a slouch when it comes to fighting, he certainly isn't winning any medals of honor on the battlefield. And he is not a samurai. (laughs) But he's a noticer. He sees everything. And... What he pretends is just kind of this like useless love of, you know, beautiful things is actually this like super achingly sweet appreciation for all the little moments and aspects of life that others might ignore. So things like how a pretty woman hangs a bed sheet on a windy day or the taste of whiskey with a friend or how the act of photographing a war crime is actually a powerful act of resistance. So he's the heir of the wealthiest family in Joseon after the emperor. And he was literally raised to step on people, live off of others' efforts, and even honestly to sell his country's soul to keep his own wealth intact. So he ends up turning his back on all of that and launching this nameless newspaper to spread information about the Korean resistance, empowering people to fight back. And while he has a ready smile and a good joke at hand at all times, he knows his family's destroyed a lot of lives. He's not a bad guy, but he has a karmic debt to the people of Joseon and it's time to pay the piper. So for my long game married love, the qualities I would like would be a guy who can make me laugh because frankly, that means he'll be fun in bed and probably a good dad. Also, I want a guy who's witty and well-read and enjoys conversation, so I'm never bored. I want him to have the courage to speak truth to power, even at great personal risk. I want him to love hard, but be able to put aside his personal needs to support the woman he loves, me, giving me the freedom to be my authentic self. And I want him to have a deep affection for his friends and the beautiful, useless things of the world because he's a romantic and a genuinely great human being. So I don't think I've seen him in anything because I just looked him up. That was a good looking dude. He's in Me Sang as well. And I really <laughs> loved him in Me Sang. That was like a love letter to this guy. It was. Well, I loved his character. I can tell. <laughs> and no, I was gonna say, I love how you're all about his character. And in mine, I'm just like, I want to be the damn queen. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to deflower healer. <laughs> You know what? We all are entering this at different points. And I'm telling you, I have spent, like, honestly, without exaggeration, more time than is healthy pondering what I was going to choose for this. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, if I came with a love letter, it's because finally when I decided my trifecta, I like, yeah, 
I don't know. This podcast means a great deal to me. <laughs> no, I love it. I know. I thought that was beautiful. I really liked listening to that. So onto murdering. Yeah, but now we're moving into the murdering, and this one was very easy for me. <laughs> Same. It was yeah. easy for me too. So here's the deal. I have seen lots of love for the drama, something about 1%. <laughs> so if you love this drama, I'm sorry, but I'm about to yuck this hero. Okay. So to date, this has been one of my least favorite dramas for lots of reasons. If you want more details, you can ask us on Instagram and I'll give them to you. But one of the reasons is the hero. So it pains me that Captain Ree's amazing older brother, rest in peace, is in this role. <laughs> <laughs> ha Suk Jim plays Lee Jae-in. He's some CEO. I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't even matter. Who needs to marry the heroine who was chosen by his grandfather in order to get his inheritance. He already has tons of money. Okay. Like, I don't even really want to root for him. He doesn't need more money. He already showed me that he uses his money to buy a big, dumb SUV and seriously ugly suits with terrible matching loafers. So normally that whole, like, must marry to get inheritance is a fun trope. But this drama managed to put the heroine through so much shit that I just wanted her to walk away from him. So the heroine didn't, like, choose any of this. She, like, did a good deed one time for his grandfather. She had no idea he was, like, the super rich guy. And she did a good deed for him. This isn't really a spoiler. You learn this pretty quick. So the grandfather was basically like, all right, you need to marry this specific woman to get your inheritance. And he goes and meets her and he thinks she's like a con woman, basically. But he's like a total like, I mean, he's an over the top jerk. And look, I love a good alpha hole sometimes. But he was just a plain, he was just a plain dick. He was a terrible communicator. So there were several times that he could have prevented the heroine from emotional pain if he just said like, two words but instead he just stood there like a dummy so when she saw him with his female cousin right after they broke up him and the heroine for like the millionth time because they kept breaking up again back together it was just exhausting she was understandably upset because she thought he moved on right away he was really happy it looked like he was buying this woman clothes which he was but it was his cousin so instead of opening his mouth like an adult and just saying like hey this is my cousin he just stood there looking constipated <laughs> I mean, it's just so frustrating to me how many times it was basically like, to me, it was lazy writing. Like there were so many times that the conflict was based on like someone just not like saying two words to explain something. He was physically aggressive in anger numerous times, mostly grabbing her arm in ways that actually that made me wince because they actually look painful. Like did this actress have bruises after filming? And he also was not nice to his employees, which is always like a terrible like red flag to me agreed yeah so this is also one of the few dramas i have seen where the hero very clearly wants sex and wants it now and while that normally might feel like kind of refreshing and like honest to me he acted entitled to it gross which was another red flag and a huge turnoff. Like, how many red flags did I mention? Too many. Fuck off, Lee Jayen. You and your terrible suits. Yeah. Chop, chop, chop. Like, and I'm sorry because I have seen a lot of people mention this. I mean, I kind of maybe get it. He's a little bit of an alpha hole. So, like, if that's your thing. But there were too many reasons that he wasn't like a good alpha hole. I don't know how else to say it. You're just... allowed to dislike him just like other people are allowed to totally dig him. Right, right. Thank you. That's basically what's going on here is like we're yucking what we don't like. It doesn't mean that it's not okay for you to like it. Right. So I am sorry. I apologize if you like this drama. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it, man. And his suits are bad and you can't tell me. 
He had good suits, okay? Him and his loafers. And you can write us at Afternoona Delight Podcast at gmail.com or Instagram us if you want to go to bat defe- <laughs> like defending your bay yeah. and keeping Plead your case. Plead your case. But if but you want to fight yeah. me, it's totally cool. But we're going to murder who we're going to murder. So, yep. <laughs> so speaking of murder, <laughs> speaking of murder, I'm going to murder John Jin Ho from Personal Taste, played by Lehman Ho. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So first of all, like I'm giving my king a pass here because his breakout role was Boys Over Flowers in 2009. And then I think this was his next drama. So this is still really early in his career. And so I'm giving him a pass in that he was developing his acting chops, you know, as he's doing these dramas. But this one just did not work for me. So see, I told you I'd surprise you. And look, I'm a Lehman host stan for life, but that doesn't mean that I'm not a discerning K-drama viewer as well. So here's the premise of personal taste straight from Vicky. A straight-laced architect falls in love with a furniture designer while pretending to be gay. A problematic premise? Yes. But it was a drama starring my bae and Sun Yi Jin, who I fell for in Crash Landing on You. After having watched Coffee Prince and seeing how well they dealt with Eun-chan's non-binary identity and Han Kyul's supposed love for a man, and again, this was a 2007 drama, Coffee Prince, I had faith that K-Drama Land would not let me down with this 2010 drama. And to be honest, it wasn't his character pretending to be gay to defraud Sun Yi Jin's character, Park K-In, so he could rent a room in her father's architectural masterpiece of a house in order to get ideas to win an architecture competition against his rival, Han Chang Ryul, played by Kim Ji Suk, who also happens to be K-In's two-timing ex-boyfriend. No, no, it wasn't all of that. (laughs) I could have forgiven all of that because it started out with a mistake. It started out with Park Kayan assuming he was gay and him not realizing it at first and then not knowing how to tell her the truth without ruining his chances at the competition and his chances with her. So kind of like in Coffee Prince where, you know, Han Kyul assumed that Eun-chan was a guy and then she was just kind of too deep into it to tell him the truth without risking other parts of her life. And so I was giving a pass at this point. What it really was for me was the passion that I saw in his performances in both King, which I know was almost a decade later, but also in Boys Over Flowers, which was his first drama as Gujun Pyo. That passion was missing from this role. And it was because his character, and this isn't necessarily his fault, the actor's fault, but this is, this has to do, I mean, it has to do with the writing and it has to do with the directing and it has to do with the performing. So it's everything that kind of goes together. But it was because his character kept making the same mistakes over and over again to the very end with little to no growth or change. And he still got the girl. And that's really what made me crazy because I want to see a hero get redeemed at the end. And he definitely needed some redemption. To be honest, Chang Ryul, who I thought was a slimy douche canoe at the start of this drama, this is Park Kayan's ex-boyfriend, had such good growth and change that I legit was rooting for him by the end. I thought he deserved Kayan. He did the work and literally did a complete 180 from douche to decent, while Jin Ho stayed pretty much the same from beginning to end. I will give props to this drama for a fun meet-cute on a bus, which actually sets in motion a fun enemies-to-lovers trope between Jin Ho and Kayin. But overall, this drama was a dud for me because of Jin Ho. So sorry to anyone who loves this drama. Again, you are allowed to love what you love, and I am allowed to hate what I hate. (laughs) I'm not here to yuck your yum, but it just didn't hit the right mark for me. So 
Bye-bye, Jin Ho, but I still love you, Lee Min Ho. I hate when there is like that second male lead with like great growth and then like no payoff. It's just, it's one of my things that makes me want to murder. So I feel that. That's what was so crazy to me is that the writing of this drama showed that that was possible for a character. Like, like I have never seen somebody who I thought was so slimy and gross at the beginning of a drama turn out to be somebody that I would root for at the end. Like it was such a great turnaround that I was like, how is this guy not the hero? And wasn't the actor who played that the same guy who was the... The father in Camellia. Yeah, the baseball player. Yeah. Yeah. I like him a lot. Oh, he was awesome. I loved him. That's why when I saw him in Camellia, I was like, oh yeah, I want some good stuff for him now in this drama. All right. So my murder. And you know, I do feel bad murdering anyone, but especially this character. But seeing as I already told you all that I committed myself to this Mr. Sunshine trifecta, I decided that I'm going to have to murder Mr. Sunshine himself, Eugene Choi, who is played by Lee Byung-hun. So I'm super sorry, Eugene. It's not you. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) So just a little setup. Eugene was born during the waning days of the Joseon dynasty where he lived as a young slave. When a gross rich dude wanted his mother for all the reasons a gross rich dude would want an enslaved woman, the wealthy nobleman who owned her was happy to give her up to curry some favor. That fact obviously didn't sit well with Eugene's parents, so they plotted to run away, got caught, and died. This isn't a big spoiler, as it's all in episode one. So Eugene was able to escape certain death by being scrappy and honestly just plain lucky, and he ends up on a ship bound to New York City, where he overcomes racial discrimination, grows up and becomes an American, joins the United States Marine Corps, and serves with valor in the Spanish-American War, before ending up getting posted back over in Josin. And he isn't exactly excited to head back to the country that enslaved him and killed his parents. Again, this is all in episode one, so these aren't big spoilers. So I feel doubly bad for murdering Eugene for this main reason, because his childhood self is played to absolute perfection by Kim Kong-hoon, who is our favorite emo preteen from When the Camellia Blooms, Pilgu. And this child actor nails the role with such raw heartbreak that I really super hated to murder him when he grew up. And I like Eugene. I do. He's not as funny as he sung, but he has this quiet, wry sense of humor that Kim Eun-suk as like a screenwriter, I think does well. He's a soldier who looks hot in his uniform. He's steadfast. He loves his woman with respect. He's romantic. He endures. But like, he's also too good. So he's like so good that he's a little boring and he's hot, but in this like generically handsome, boring way. And for me, that was his kiss of death when paired against his two rivals. Like if he was a sexual position, he'd be a competent missionary (laughs) who'd get it done on a weekly basis, probably at the same day. So I'm not saying no, it's just there's more flavors on offer in my trifecta. So I don't wish him a painful death or anything ignoble. Basically, I'd like to sacrifice him through some sort of honorable soldier's death where he serves a great and mighty purpose. (laughs) I need to watch Mr. Sunshine so bad. I want to. I do. I I mean, part of this is my plot to entice you. I'm not going to lie. It's working. (laughs) It's definitely working. Okay. So next up is Mate, which... Which we are so excited, so excited about. about. I wrote, like, <laughs> again, because, you know, we kind of do write out our responses ahead of time just so we're not, like, just floundering around. And I had so much fun. Oh, my God. So I 100% without a shred of doubt want to mate Ko Dong Man, played by Park Seo Joon from Fight for My Way. 
Uh, so in this drama, he's a great friend, a jacked UFC fighter, and a magnificent kisser. He's also quite beta and is always down to take a back seat while his woman, Choi A-Ra, makes decisions. So I adored the scene where he was training with a sparring partner who was objectively being a jerk. And Choi A-Ra, the heroine played by the amazing Kim Ji-Won, gets in the ring and she pretends with her gloves on. And she pretends to be like really weak and cute, like, oh, this is how I hit. Ooh. And then she lashes out, punching the guy hard enough to make him bleed and my favorite part is dong man was just grinning behind her like yeah that's my woman isn't she neat like he's just he's so precious when he had to fight his like first fight they were like all right take your shirt off because like you know you fight in the octagon or whatever shirtless and he was like covering his like nipples and he's like but there there are women here and it's just so, i mean oh he's just so precious is he a super smart guy you know not really not really he knows how to fight and that's about it but we aren't doing our taxes together okay <laughs> I, I don't need him to stimulate me intellectually stimulate in other ways you get what i'm saying so this drama had a lot of skinship between a smoking hot park Seo-Joon and a gorgeous kim ji-won dong man is a selfless kind of guy so it only makes sense he would be a selfless lover put it this way dong man would absolutely go downtown and he would be good at it <laughs> Agreed. And he would take directions. The guy knows how to practice and work hard. I bet he <laughs> I bet he bangs like the champy his. So mate me <laughs> dong man. Oh my mate god. How me do I... dong man. Can we make that can that go on the afternoona <laughs> store on Redbubble? Oh on the god, red, the red so bubble shop? Yes, mate me dong man. Bangs like yep. the champ he is. <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one i i have no objections to that one at all oh just the way he kisses in that drama i mean i just i it's so it's so i do good. i really appreciate all the physical intimacy even like small touches here and there in that drama it was just fantastic so i am going to mate kim shin from goblin played by the greatest of all time the goat gong yu Look, I'm aware he's a goblin and that no matter how much he loves me, because even if we're just mating, it's true love, damn it. <laughs> it's not practical to marry an immortal. I mean, I have a little bit of vanity. He's going to be a beautiful Kim Shin for all of time, and I'm going to be me, who is going to be old and haggard at some point. But because he is immortal, that means he's been around for almost a thousand years, and he knows some stuff. You know what I mean? And while I wish we would have had more time in the drama with Kim Shin and grown-up Untak, hey, another Kim Go-on drama on my list here, and another Kim Un-suk drama on my list here, the short time that we did have with them showed us that Kim Shin could kiss like no one's business, and I'm just going to let my imagination do the rest as far as everything else that he can do like no one's business, because he's been around for a while and has learned some stuff. Plus, because this will be a true love mating, and according to our Goblin Deep Dive, Megan says, I'm on my first of four lives, I have three more lifetimes to come back and find my mate again. And again. And again. <laughs> Us gong you folks. Gong Ugh. you. <laughs> I mean, agreed. And then afterwards he could just like tuck you in with one of his like super soft cashmere cardigans. Oh, please wrap me up in Eileen Fisher. <laughs> Go to town on me and yeah. then wrap me up in your Eileen Fisher. Yeah. I love it. Oh my God. <laughs> 
Okay, so now just to close off my Mr. Sunshine trifecta, hands down, the K-drama character who's coming with Nuna to Pound Town <laughs> is Gudong Mei, played by Yu Yun Suk. So in the Imaginary Cat podcast, which I didn't take part in but listened to, Megan scarred me for life by saying she had an, a sexual awakening to Rum Same, Tugger same, Leah. Yeah. I'm, right I'm right there with you. Great. Yeah, as much of a crazy that. cat lady as yeah. I am, that will give me nightmares. You have to watch Rum Tum Tugger's <laughs> hip thrust, okay? Okay. Well, anyway, I just don't wreck this moment okay, for okay. me. <laughs> So I had a K-drama sexual awakening to Gudong Mei. I have loved other characters, but I have never felt some kind of way for one before. So Dong Mei is the most damaged, the most sweaty, the most sexually charged, the most alpha, the most charismatic, the most savage. Just give me a superlative, put it in a half ponytail with a sweaty <laughs> chest and a samurai sword, and it's Gudong Mei. So ponytail. <laughs> Dong <laughs> Mei was born a butcher's boy, and that's part of the Chionim caste during the Joseon dynasty. The Chionim, I might be, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but the Chionomin were the lowest caste, and these were unclean professions that were looked down upon by the upper classes and treated without respect or dignity, and butchering was one of those. So, like Eugene, who I just murdered, Dong Mei had a pretty traumatic childhood as well and lost his parents. But instead of a ship to America, he escapes to Japan, where he becomes a samurai and a member of the Musin Society, which is a Yakuza group. And Yakuza are like gangster, mafia-like organizations. So these days, he's back in Josin as the head of a local Musin Society chapter, where he pretty happily torments people and is pretty much not into saving the country that created a caste system that ended up killing his parents. So you look at this guy funny and there's a good chance you're going to see the business side of his sword. It's really not uncommon for him to have just like random blood splattered on him mingling with his perpetual sweatiness. But if you're one of his people, be it a member of his gang or the nonverbal fortune teller that he protects, he will like fuck up the world for you. And if you're one of the two women that he truly loves, he's going to stop at nothing, even accepting your profound hatred or death to ensure that you're able to achieve your destiny. So he loves with this like deep, hopeless, enduring, longing commitment. And he is also a fucking feral savage. <laughs> so put this together and I'm going to get X-rated like... Or I don't want to get X-rated. So let's just say that Dong Mei is not bringing the weekly missionary pump to the table. He's going to get you down to your socks. And when he's done with you, you will be in Grim Reaper's tea room rejoicing that you were literally boned <laughs> to death. This is <laughs> amazing. Oh, my God. This is what makes me want to watch it. Because I am I just finished season one of Hospital Playlist. And I cannot picture this guy like you're describing him right now. Because he is the sweetest of the cutest beta in hospital playlist. Yeah. So Megan, just like as an FYI, and I mean, he's a true beta in my opinion. Oh yeah. In hospital playlist. So the same actor that like fucking just like brings this like Dong Mei character out as like, yeah, the fuck boy savage is the almost priest pediatric surgeon in hospital playlist who is like the cutest. He is precious, like saint. Of he is. A he's human. so super precious. Yeah, it's amazing. So I'm watching Reply 1994. I got it right because of him as well. And I feel like there's like, and that one is an interesting character because again, he's much more like the hospital playlist, like sweet, but there's a few times where you just can tell like he wants to like fuck up a bitch and I get like he gets that like deadpan and I'm like, oh, there he is. Like there's the 
Dong Mei. But I watched Hospital Playlist after Mr. Sunshine because I was just pretending that that was like him reincarnated in the modern world, maybe without all the trauma. Maybe that's what he would have been. I like that. Just as a side note, in our Slack conversation, every time Leah talks about something that she's just watched in Reply 1994, she gives it a different ear. <laughs> yeah, I know. And she so I'm like, like have you finished it random- and gone on to the, like, I'm, so, I've been so confused. Now I know yeah, that I'm, whatever I'm you- talking about any, like, it could be one of the, like the 97 or 88, but I might be used to calling it Reply 1991. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, so we're going to take a break from the fun and do our favorite segment of the week, which is our wreck of the week. And today we have a K-pop with Megan. So I am going to recommend Love Scenario by Icon. So I have a reason for recommending this. I'm just going to tell a really quick story. I was driving my son and his friend to soccer camp. They're 10 and 11. And I had my K-pop playlist playing like really low, like it was barely audible. And Love Scenario was playing and my son's friend goes, hey, I know this song. And he started humming along to it. And I was like, excuse me? You know Love Scenario by Icon? This is a K-pop song. He's like, yeah, it's a Fortnite dance. And I had no idea. And I got really excited because I was like, you know, I'm, do- I'm not just a regular mom. I'm a cool mom <laughs> with my... <laughs> And so Love Scenario is a super popular song in South Korea when it came out. Like there were like kindergarten kids singing this song. It's kind of like really easy to sing along with if you know Korean. (laughs) I mean, I don't know the words, all of them. But anyway, it's just a really catchy song. And seeing as I mentioned Kim Ji Won in this podcast, Choi A. Ra from Fight For My Way, I will say that the band member from Icon, B.I., who wrote this song was actually, his muse is Kim Ji Won. He's in love with her from Fight For My Way. Like he has said, and I've seen him on interviews say it, and Love Scenario was partly written for like this like kind of infatuation he had with her. So yeah, it's Love Scenario by Icon. I'll put it on our Afternoon podcast spot. Spotify playlist for all you to listen to. All right. Well, to round out the show, we thought we could just play like a couple of more fun little games of like, would you rathering? So let's get to it. You can play Spin the Bottle with Dogman from Fight for My Way, Han Kyo from The Coffee Prince, or Gongte from It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Where do you want your soju bottle to land and why? And I just want to say, I already answered this question. Okay? Dongman. I already answered it. You're allowed to just talk about that all day. You know? Today's the day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. For me, no question. It's Han Kyul. Dongman has the sweetness. Gongte has the pillow lips. But nobody runs in for a kiss like Gong Yu. So I want him charging me like a bull in Pamplona, Spain. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to experience one time. Oh, my God. 100%. I'm with you, Leah. Han Kyul, Han Kyul, Han Kyul, up against his apartment door, my hands grabbing his ass for purchase. (laughs) Okay, let's do a would you rather. Would you rather be a Grim Reaper or a Gumio and why? So I want to be a Gumio because I want a fox speed. And I don't really know what it does yet because Tail of the Nine-Tailed was a wild... It was a wild ride, but let me figure it out. And and honestly, my roommate is a Gumio is on my like list to watch very soon. Heard good things, and apparently there's like a lot of fox speed stuff in that. So yeah. oh, so it's actually a real thing that's part of like the Gumio legend is a fox. Yes. Speed. Uh, oh, it, maybe we'll get answers finally. Yes, exactly. There's something I read just a really brief description of the show, and there's something with a fox speed going on in there. 
Yeah, I want to see that drama as well. Maybe now that I have RuralNet set up for the rest of my Michigan trip, I can check it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so for me, I'd rather be a Reaper. First, I love the like all black aesthetic and I adore a hat. Secondly, I don't like to eat liver. <laughs> Thirdly, I enjoy having a close rapport with work colleagues. <laughs> Fourth, I really like tea. And fifth, I do really enjoy getting people's stories. So basically, this is a job where I can be regaled by them all day. You would be an excellent Reaper. Yeah. You would. You would be an excellent reaper. You would listen to their stories, then be like, hey, you need to take the tea now. And then it'd be great because you're like, okay, like, I got it. See ya. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. You'd be good at it. So you have to rewatch 1K drama right now. What is it going to be? I pretty much already said this to Healer. I have been itching to rewatch Healer so badly. For me, Mr. Sunshine, because I'm a masochist and I'm doing it right now because my mom wanted to watch it. And for me, it's Goblin. I've already watched it twice, even episode 16. I have already rewatched I'm Not a Robot, by the way. Like, that's actually the first drama that I rewatched. I rewatched it like when they were all re watching it because I just, oh God, I miss Kim Min-Kyu, okay? So we've kind of touched on this during the podcast, but I think it's always like an interesting question. So would you rather have a romantic partner who vanishes into a wormhole and appears back whenever, like Domin Ju from My Love from Another fiery planet star <laughs> or a partner who is an ageless immortal like goblins kim shin but you're not immortal i mean i just that wormhole thing is dumb <laughs> <laughs> well i'd be afraid they'd come back and i'd be yeah like in my like final like death rattle like yeah uh, just stay with me <laughs> i don't know that's and I mean, like selfish real talk, like in opposition to Amy, like worrying about getting haggard. I'm kind of like, well, I might age, but I'm going to get to enjoy my man staying fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I still am choosing like immortal, like my heart couldn't handle the disappearing and not knowing when he'd come back. And this reminds me, somebody posted it was either on Facebook or Instagram, and I can't remember who. So if it's you out there, let us know that there is an extended ending to my love from another star on YouTube. So we need to find that and watch it. Okay. So this isn't really like a game question, but I did want to ask this because I was curious and somebody actually asked us about this in gmail as well so i thought i'd throw in this question just for fun what's a k-drama that y'all have dropped and do you plan to go back and take it up or are you happy to let it go so i'm probably again i probably made a lot of people mad about something about one percent but now i'm gonna make a lot of people mad because i'm gonna say vincenzo i'll pause for like your <laughs> gasps listeners so i watched four episodes and guys i just it's a mess and I know like a lot of people who have watched it have agreed like the writing can be a little bit of a mess. But my main problem was that after four episodes, I still didn't care about Vincenzo's like plight. Like all I know is like, this isn't a spoiler because you learn this right away. He's like trying to get this like gold out of a basement. That's not even his. So I'm like, why should I care? Why should I care that he like taking I, I just didn't I didn't feel anything. Some of the writing just felt really lazy I don't know. But then everyone loves it so much. Like, it's my top 10 drama. So I'm like, what am I missing? So I think I'm going to try and pick it back up. I like need to know what's wrong. And maybe, maybe something will happen in the sixth episode or something, seventh or probably the 11th. And I'll love it. But like, I'm just not there. So I don't know. I actually want to hear from you guys. Should I pick up Vincenzo or not? Like, tell me what to do. I think you're going to get a resounding yes, because this is just a beloved drama. I know what is wrong with me, right? And the thing is, I love like mafia stuff. Like this would be right up my alley normally. But he's like not a super tough mafia. I mean, he kind of is, but I don't know, man. I don't know. 
I'm going to try. It's hard for me to drop a drama. I have dropped very few. But one for me recently was Oh My Ghost. So I, again, coming back to Hospital Playlist, I love the actor Jo Jung-suk, who plays My Bay liver transplant surgeon Lee Ik-jun in Hospital Playlist. I'll fight you for yeah, him. I mean, he's fight so amazing. So I decided to try out Oh My Ghost, where he's like the romantic lead and he plays this grumpy entitled chef. And that premise worked for me pretty well in Mr. Queen. But the premise of a shy kitchen helper who runs a secret food blog and she gets possessed by this like horny virgin ghost. It just never captured me. So I had to say goodbye also on episode four. And I literally have no plans to go back. So it's funny that you're talking about something with a ghost because the one that I dropped was Hotel Del Luna, which I'll pause now for all the listener gasps as well. And I watched four episodes and it wasn't gripping me, which made me sad because I hear such amazing stuff about it. And I think I might try it again. Like one of the things that was not gripping me was... Yo Jin Gu, who plays the hero, and it had nothing to do with him as an actor, but had to do with the character and how it was written. It wasn't even that this character was a beta and he was like super beta, but he was like a bumbling beta. Like I, I just, he felt very sort of childlike and clueless to me. And that just wasn't really sexy to me. Like IU, she was awesome as the sort of, I guess, manager of the Hotel Del Luna. But yeah, I don't know. It wasn't gripping me. I wasn't feeling the chemistry between them. But I know that Yojingu is one of the leads of Beyond Evil, which is a drama that we've been talking about that we really want to watch. So I might watch that first and see if I can, you know, fall for him in a different role, which then I can maybe bring that, you know, love of the actor with me back to Hotel Del Luna because I do I've heard such amazing things about it that I do think I want to go back. So what's something you didn't know you loved until you watched K-dramas? Okay, so <laughs> I've got one. For me, it's watching my top fave sing because I don't know how much any of you know this listening. Amy and Megan certainly know I really dislike watching actors sing. <laughs> but I guess it's all about the guy because I loved watching Yoo Yun Suk in Hospital Playlist crooning away while drumming like Neil Young from Circa, I don't know, like 1960 or 70. And I actually texted you the other night when I got to that scene where he took the lead and was singing and I took a picture of it and texted you. I said, oh my God. And you're like, right? <laughs> so I'm going to say a man being shy about showing his nipples, which is... <laughs> You've talked about Dang that it. in like every time we've brought up Fight for My Way, you've I talked about the nipple it. scene. Like you love I it I think so about much. it all the time because he like covers them <laughs> with his hands and he's like jacked and gorgeous and I can't handle it i just love it <laughs> how many ways can that be fit into a k-drama for you a man I, being shy about his nipples i don't know i just <laughs> maybe in a sauna can you put this in one of your alien books I, I think you need to have an alien who is very shy about I'm showing his to. nipples i think i might and he has you got to give him like multiple nipples too like not just okay two. i'll give him like five <laughs> and he has to be i think it should be like a love letter to dog man in the alien uh, spectrum i can do that oh my god and for me what i didn't know that i loved until i watched k-drama is romance mixed with murder so give me some stabbing and give me some romance. <laughs> so what's something you didn't know you hated until you watched K-drama? Like a hero that wears really terrible suits in awful prints with matching loafers. I'm so curious what you're going to do and what's wrong with Secretary Kim, because I really feel like no, his Park seo Joon's suits no, are I've bad seen... in that. She can't hate Park seo Joon. Yeah, I can't. No, no, no. But his suits in that are bad. Right. <laughs> but 
I think the problem with me about about the something about one percent hero was that like he thought he was like hot shit till the end. He fully believed that like there was no like comeuppance really. So he just wore these <laughs> terrible suits with no shame. Well, I'm gonna make folks gasp as well because for me it's mafia K dramas. Like I literally cannot bring myself to watch Vincenzo. I've even like loaded it and then been like, no, I just can't uh- do it. And like the thing is, I loved watching Sopranos. That was probably like my first binge, like back in like, you know, what, 2005 or so. Like we would get like Netflix DVDs at home and like binged on Sopranos. So I don't get it, but I didn't know that I hated, I don't know. I just don't want to watch Vincenzo ever. That's hilarious. And I'm kind, I'm kind of with you. I don't know. Like, I- I figure if Megan doesn't like Vincenzo, that I'm not going to like Vincenzo. But I didn't. So I, I originally didn't put anything here, but I'm going to say something without saying something. So there's something that I thought that I hated in K-drama, and then it got turned around for me in Flower of Evil. And I'm not going to say what it is, because I'm going to make you want to listen to our Flower of Evil podcast that's coming up next. Ooh, yes. I like so that. what I thought I hated in K-dramas ended up being done so exquisitely in Flower of Evil that now I think I could love it again. So... I think I know what it is, and I'm with you on that. Yep. So stay tuned for next week when we are talking about Flower of Evil. Cannot wait. All right. So what is a book wreck with a character that one of you would really love to marry, mate, or murder? (laughs) Okay. So I have talked about Chris and Ashley numerous times on this podcast, and I don't care. Okay. I don't care. I'm going to do it again. I think she needs to sponsor us. (laughs) (laughs) So I would marry Joe Callahan from At Peace. I cannot tell you how much I love this hero. Let me just explain like one short little scene. So they're neighbors. And at the very beginning of the book, like they're kind of just like hooking up like and they both like know the deal. Like they're just both into it. But like they're obviously catching feelings because it's a romance novel. And that's what happens when you try to keep it casual. And at one point, she's like running over to his house in the middle of the night in a robe because she's like so eager to see him. And he's standing on the back porch waiting for her. And she like runs up on the deck and he just looks at her and he goes, baby, where are your shoes? And I just I think about that this like shoe scene all the time because it's like he's like a very solemn man he doesn't talk a lot he's like scarred he has like a really traumatic backstory but he's like very concerned that she ran over there without her shoes on because he's worried about her like hurting her feet oh my god i think about it all the time anyway he's amazing he's a great stepdad to her kids and it's just fantastic it's at peace by chris and ashley and the hero is joe callahan so what are we all watching I just finished Hospital Playlist season one and loved it. And I'm kind of deciding what to do now. Do I dive right into season two? Because it's only got five episodes out so far. And they're so I love it, but I will say they are long episodes. Like they are 90 minutes plus. So I really can only watch one, maybe one and a half in a sitting without falling asleep because I'm usually watching late at night. So I'm deciding do I dive right into season two? Do I wait till it's all there? Because I kind of. I love the ensemble cast, but I'm also kind of jonesing for some hardcore romance or maybe some hardcore murdering. So, <laughs> you know, do I, I, I mentioned Beyond Evil. Do I want to dive into Beyond Evil? Do I want to do Hospital Playlist 2? Do I want to find a romance? I'm not sure where I'm going yet, but I loved Hospital Playlist. I think I would make the case potentially to just catch up because I'm not minding because they are such long episodes. Just Thursday nights is like my Hospital Playlist night now. Normally, I would want to wait till everything's out, but I don't know. This is like working for me to like watch a drama and then Thursday nights just always hospital playlist too. But you do you. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Thanks. Thanks for the pep talk. <laughs> so I am doing hospital playlist too every Thursday. And then I am almost done with Reply 1994, which for some reason took me a very long time to watch. I had it queued up to watch and I kept trying other things. And when I started it, I got a little bit of like, I didn't like I almost tapped out in the first episode because it was just kind of like, you know, sometimes in K-drama, like the humor gets so over the top and like kind of just like manic that you're like, oh, my God, I kind of can't handle. And then it's turned the corner. I really like it. And it's making me so fucking angry. And so it's one of these like jacking with my emotions. And the writer is the same as Hospital Playlist also did, you know, Reply 1997 and Reply 1998. I really like it. I just think that like I'm holding them to a higher standard because they are so, so, so good at writing that when they make me mad, I'm like more mad because I'm like, you're better than this. <laughs> but it's also really good. So I don't know. I'm almost done. So after I finished Flower of Evil, I wanted something like completely different. So I started watching Zombie Detective, which has or it stars the chef from Mr. Queen. Anyway, so Zombie Detective is honestly a lot of fun it's very kind of like silly which is fine sometimes for me like i'm okay it doesn't feel like it's taking itself too seriously but basically i'm only on like episode two so i'm not really giving any spoilers but basically he the the main character wakes up as a zombie and he doesn't have any memory of who he was in his previous life but he wants to figure out who he was and in order to do that, he has to pretend to be a human. And it's so funny because when he wakes up, he can't talk, he can't walk properly. And so he like does all these exercises to teach himself how to talk, how to walk, how to do like basic human things to like, because, you know, and then he has to find like BB cream to cover his like face because he has like, you know, like zombie veins or whatever all over the place. So he's like slathering his face with BB cream. And he's also just such a handsome actor. So it's also, I mean, he goes full out on this role and it's just really kind of cool. It's neat that he, there's this mystery, obviously, like, again, I'm only on episode two, so I'm not spoiling anything, but he just found out that he can like fight like really well. It was like muscle memory came back to him and he like took down this guy and he's like, who am I? Like, how how did I learn to fight like this? So, so yeah, so it's a, it's a really neat drama. It's totally different. There's, I don't think there's any romance in it, which is fine. It's fun. And he's a zombie and like, there's parts where he obviously has to like eat, but they like blur any, cause it's, you know, it's just very, it's very fun. Uh, he has this like inner monologue at the beginning because he's trying to run and he can't. He's like, why can I not run? Like, why am I so freaking slow? Like, he's so annoyed at himself. He's funny. That's why it's so funny. He's so emo in airs because I feel like he's a good comic actor. Oh, he's very good. Again, the whole BB cream thing was very funny. It's very funny because again, he's trying to be human. So obviously there's like funny things that that happened i mean in episode two just something re totally ridiculous happened and i was like cracking up and i mean it's just is it's there funny. romance so no they've teased this kind of like romance between the woman in the poster so she's like a journalist and so there's also this like overarching plot where she's trying to find this like serial killer called the santa or santa or something <laughs> This is perfect for Amy. It is. Yeah, I'm so, totally, I'm totally so, in. It's billed as comedy fantasy mystery, not as romance. Right. But there yeah. is definitely a romance teasing her with this police detective. So like he he's in love with her. And they show they like you know that in episode one. Okay. And her friend is like, When are you gonna confess to Sujin? And he's like, Ugh. So they're teasing that, which is which is nice. And it kind of keeps me interested, but he's a zombie. Like she's not gonna have a romance with this guy. 
he's a zombie and i don't think he i don't think he ever turns human like i'm pretty sure he stays a zombie i could be wrong but how long are the episodes because there's 24 it says 24 in no in the episode guide it's, on it's 12 oh, so they must be maybe maybe they split it when it was airing you know to put ads in like they kind of did for suspicious partner right no it's okay shorter it's 12 and they're an hour long oh perfect i will tell you it's it's fun and he's still like i said he's a zombie and he's still incredibly cool to look at like for real trojan hook i'm in <laughs> yeah well like there's this one scene where okay he's trying to he needs to eat and he's trying to like throw a rock in a nest to knock down the baby birds but he's like still a zombie <laughs> so he's like Ugh. and the rock is just like Boop. And he's, like, so mad. He's just like, like, you can't throw this rock because he's a zombie. And it's just, it's just very, it's very funny. It's very enjoyable. Again, after Flower of Evil, I needed something that was, like. Yeah, no, this is perfect. Okay, so next week we are doing Flower of Evil, which we are all very, very excited about. And I hope you turn in for that. I will say that that's hard to talk about without spoiling it. But we'll try our best for at least a little part of the podcast. And it's also hard to do the drama justice, which we will talk about as well, mm-hmm. by just talking about it. So please, please, if you have a chance, watch it and then come listen with us because it's going to be so much fun. One of the best. All right. Well, that is it for today, everybody. Thank you for listening. What are we going to say? Annyeong! Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Make sure to subscribe for more great K-Romance conversation. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Afternoon of Delight Podcast for more information on our podcast, behind-the-scenes photos, and, of course, pics of our favorite opas and unis. Annyeong! Annyeong!